Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series reboots. I'm Jessica. I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, things get shaken and stirred in Firewall. So, Ben, how was your week? Pretty boring. and nothing too much to speak of, but what I'm looking forward to is tomorrow... Why? What's happening tomorrow? Tomorrow, we will be meeting IRL for a murder mystery dinner. Oh, right. I was going to murder someone. (laughs) forgot about that. I mean, it wasn't me. I didn't do the murder. (laughs) Someone did the murder. So how about you? How's your week been? Not too bad. We started a campaign of Gloomhaven, which is a board game that is essentially D&D. Okay. There's lots of pieces for it and little figurines and all sorts of stuff. It's good times. I'm excited. Well, speaking of good times, let's uh, hop right into this episode, shall we? Today we're doing Season 3, Episode 3, Firewall. It first aired on September 3rd, 1997. It's written by Dan DiDio, and story was by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. So we start with a cold open, literally. We're in a snow-capped mountain as Santa Claus skis his way down with a sack full of presents. He's spotted by uh, two suspicious-looking snowmen, who are revealed to be Enzo and Andrea in disguise. And we're already getting hints here of the James Bond theme, with the telescope opening and then the music that starts to open up. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they take off chasing him on icicles and attempt to cut him off. And it's like, oh, I, I know this game. This is ski-free. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy the way the camera moves here, too. It it feels like a James Bond movie, the way that it kind of like almost shakes as it goes down the hill with them. It was a little ahead of their time there. So Enzo zooms ahead as they reach the precipice of a very tall cliff, and he turns himself into a ramp. (laughs) And Santa Claus goes flying off of it. I loved that shot where he flies off and you get like the POV first of him falling down and then just a shot of his like tiny body just like free falling. (laughs) Thankfully, he's got a giant balloon ornament in his sack. Enzo then launches an icicle, popping his ornament and sending him crashing to the ground where he explodes into fire. Yes, and then we get this crazy opening sequence. Oh, man. So <laughs> I was so excited for you to see this. This was great. I did love this. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a literal wall of fire and we've got silhouettes of Dot and Mouse being seductive with uh, Frisket and Fong flailing. And, uh, <laughs> we get a sexy voice crooning about our hero's struggles. Like a yeah, it's that classic, you know, James Bond theme song style. Kind of similar to, I don't know if you know, the, um, the Dr. Evil song. Yeah. <laughs> The whole thing is so on the nose, and it's fantastic. It's <laughs> Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I, I laughed repeatedly at that. <laughs> and the song was so good. Like, they did an actual good job with the song. Like, it sounds like a James Bond song, which makes it work so well. Because I think if they'd made it a little bit goofier, it wouldn't have worked as well. Because they're taking it seriously, it works as comedy. Right. And that apparently is the end of the game. It, it ends with a theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is, you know, like, that tracks, like, his portal does the same thing, so... <laughs> That's true, it does. 
So it makes the theme really weird. I'm playing Santa Claus and also James Bond. What's happening here? Yeah. And we're officially three and a half minutes into the show. <laughs> it's all been intro. We ha- I have no idea what's coming up. And they're certainly in like no rush to get to the plot. So, Well, once the intro ends, we get to see Enzo and Andrea high five over their success. But uh, where's their recovery team? Yeah, this was weird because I'm like, I'm sorry, what recovery team? Like Andrea is ready to walk back to HQ and Enzo's like, don't we usually get a ride back? And all I can think is like, no, that's what your hoverboard is for. Well... Now that there's a virus taking over the system, because last time we saw him go into the game, he had a whole bunch of people come and save him with the uh, cardboard cutouts. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was going to be a recurring thing. <laughs> well, he's very vulnerable post-game. Before we get too far ahead, though, I wanted to point out like that they're kind of laughing at the very idea of Santa Claus. Like, who is this guy? What a stupid-looking user! Who, who, who? What sort of a catchphrase is that? So, like, it kind of goes back to your thing of, like, they really don't know much about the outside world. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Megabyte pops his head in between them. Somehow they didn't notice him standing there. Yeah, he and a whole army snuck up behind them. (laughs) But it's fine. He just wants to talk to the boy. (laughs) I I enjoy how Andrea immediately jumps in front of Enzo, pointing her crossbow at him. Like, without a second thought, it's great. Yeah, uh, Enzo gets all uppity, saying that he's like, I'm not your personal messenger anymore. (laughs) (laughs) which megabyte delivers this line and like i don't know if i would have noticed this if i hadn't done like a full rewatch but you are what you have always been a mere delivery boy and like that callback to the episode from season one where he was literally like that was good that was like cold And Megabyte, man, he gets right in his face, too. Like, he grabs him by the neck and just, like, lays him out. He's like, it's only by my will that you're even still alive, and you'd be best to remember that. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, this is dark. You feel it. He's badass and not taking any guff. <laughs> he tosses Enzo aside and starts to deliver his message. And we get a voiceover as Andrea relates it back in the principal office. Yeah, Enzo's pouting, and so Andrea has to fill everyone in. <laughs> I mean, Megabyte really shook him up there. I don't blame him. The word is that while they're all hiding in the office, everyone in mainframe is suffering, and Megabyte's going to make sure that they suffer quite a bit. Andrea now understands what propaganda is. It's Megabyte's prophylactic. I mean, proctology. I mean, in proper grammar. (laughs) Uh, Dot asks Enzo what he thinks they should do, and he's like, don't fucking patronize me. I know what I am. (laughs) He points out the vid window at Megabyte's line of ABCs, uh, and even Dot is just like, oh yeah, right, those guys... And Fong is about to go into, like, counselor mom mode, but then Mouse stops him and goes into passive-aggressive mom mode. Oh, well, I guess that was all it took with some mean words to bring down our guardian. And then Fong and Mouse have a little back and forth, like, what about a firewall? Does a firewall sound good? Yeah, firewall. Good idea, Enzo! Yeah. (laughs) Part of me's like, yes, he's a kid in a tough situation. You've got to bolster his confidence. It's really important for the entirety of mainframe in this moment. And part of me's like, this is not how you raise a child. <laughs> yeah, great idea, Enzo. He's going to grow up and be like, all my ideas are fantastic. And yeah, they're all mine. So um, we check in with Megabyte at this point, and he's still got Hex hooked up to his device, and she's not feeling great. Yeah, he's got like a whole like little S&M dungeon under there. <laughs> she tries to pull the whole, I'm sick 
Jailer, please let me out. And Megabyte's like, mm, no, I think I'll just use my shock collar instead. <laughs> yeah, so he presses a button, a surge of energy ripples through her, and she vows to tear him apart once she's free of this contraption. That thought alone keeps me well. Dear brother. And he just kind of yawns in return <laughs> and has uh, Herr Doctor prepare weapon hex for battle. Yeah, she's unfortunately fully repaired, fully charged, and totally under Megabyte's control. That'll end well. <laughs> so Fog Mouse and Dot exit an elevator into Q's, I mean Hughes, laboratory. He has his operatives already working on the firewall, which just proves to me that he already had this plan in motion <laughs> and he was just patronizing Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> We get to see some binomes trying out laser-proof vests, cars with ejector seats, and an exploding toilet. Meanwhile, Hugh tries to explain the basic premise, but before he can get much explanation out, a game comes down. However, he got enough out that I definitely recognized it as yet another Star Trek reference. I say, you saw Star Trek. I saw the little game you play at Cracker Barrel with the little pegs in the triangle. Oh, <laughs> no, I got that they were the transporter pattern enhancers. Okay. And so and Andrea enter the game. Uh, we see a basic kid room that seems to be pretty empty. We even get to hear Enzo's voice as he starts talking, but there's no one in sight until we zoom in. Yes, they're very tiny. And it's a Toy Story! <laughs> Almost very literally. It looks exactly like Andy's room. Yeah. So he checks Glitch and discovers that it's the final level of a race game. The user only has to escape from this room to win. Which, how is it already the final level? Like, at this point in time, our save state's a thing? So I think that they got into the final level. It's not that the user is at the final level. Well, the user's there pretty quick. They are, which is definitely a mistake. But <laughs> <laughs> I think when they pop in, they pop in at a certain level in the game. So it may be the first one, maybe the last one, maybe the middle one. But the uh, game seems to have fallen on an angry mob of anti-Enzo protesters led by Cyrus. They start hurling insults and teddy bobs. There he is! Down with Enzo! I like how Marge is back again, which she was <laughs> against Enzo, but then she was for Enzo, but now she seems to be against Enzo again. Marge, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Luckily, uh, Frisket is there to keep the rioters in line. And uh, just then, the user speeds by in a pretty pink umbrella-topped convertible. Enzo and Andrea confront Cyrus about his propaganda. He, he, he defends himself by saying, Hey, the script spins, Copang. What? <laughs> it's an expanse thing. You, you speak asteroidian now? <laughs> Belter. <laughs> I stick by my term. <laughs> yeah, so after giving him a speech, Enzo follows it up with a, We all have to work together and then get their reboot on. Andrea turns into a biker chick again. I know. I like that Enzo says, what is it with you and motorbikes? Just as I was saying that same exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Enzo gets all monkey suited with a fancy car. That's Matrix. Guardian Matrix. He's, he's now James Bond and he makes a face at Cyrus, who apparently doesn't know how to beat Root. How do you not know this simple thing? Didn't he take Bob's class? <laughs> and he wasn't paying attention because he was too busy being a baddie. Oh, right. Traitor and all that. Yeah, he wasn't listening. <laughs> so he does reboot and he turns into Snidely Whiplash with Frisket as Muttley. He turns into Dirk Dastardly. Get it right, Ben. Wait, for real? Yeah. Who's Snidely Whiplash then? Snidely Whiplash is the uh, one with the top hat that uh, goes after, what's the Mountie? Oh, Dudley Do-Right. Dudley Do-Right. I completely misplaced that then. Okay, yeah. 
So when he does reboot, he turns into Dirk Dis... Fuck. Now you say it. <laughs> and when he does reboot, he turns into Dirk Dastardly with Frisket playing the part of Muttley. That must make the user Penelope Pitstop. What gave it away? Was it the pink umbrella? <laughs> so if we have a Toy Story slash Wacky Races mashup, how does James Bond figure into this? <laughs> Everyone else is rebooting as a racer, and usually it's supposed to be relevant to the game. <laughs> There's always a car chase in a James Bond movie, right? Yeah, I guess. So meanwhile, we're getting quick snippets of Dot and Mouse. Uh, Mouse hops into her jet and assures Dot that no one will see her until it's too late. And then we see her just kind of chilling and flying along, dropping little devices as she goes. I enjoy her punching in the autopilot and literally kicking up her feet and leaning back on this very secret, important mission. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, my feet on the console. That's fine. No one cares. <laughs> just, just the entirety of mainframe that's up for grabs if I mess this up. <laughs> so back in the game, Penelope is making headway. Uh, she's avoiding darts and sneakers and dinosaur skeletons. <laughs> and manages to get out just ahead of a line of cop cars that block everybody else. The T-Rex appears between Dirk and James. Andrea grins as she revs her engine and uses the T-Rex's spine to leap over the moving cop cars and land right behind the user. Badass, Andrea. And then the dino, in a fit of rage, flips over Cyrus Whiplash's car. Yeah, he goes all that one scene in Jurassic Park on him. So back at HQ, Hugh arrives, excited that they finally get to actually test their invention. Oh, what's that? It might not work? Uh, just leaving the principal office with the shield offline and the city defenseless? Oh, that's just a minor point that I didn't bring up at all until right now. This is all theory. Let's hope it works. Dot and Fong aren't happy about it, but they don't really have any other option. <laughs> Meanwhile, Enzo can't help his programming. He goes and runs to help Cyrus, despite Cyrus being a giant butt. <laughs> so he uses himself as bait to distract the dino while Frisket grabs onto its tail, which allows Enzo to free Cyrus. And I'm not sure if Frisket was trying to protect Enzo or just saw a tasty bone to gnaw on. And also, I thought Enzo rebooted as James Bond, not Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> so amidst all the confusion, Penelope is now in a jet, and she's headed right for the window, which is apparently the goal. Meanwhile, Andrea has been captured by the Luxo lamp that was hopping after them, and Enzo has no one to turn to but Cyrus for help. Yeah, he basically admits that he's only trusting him because he's programmed to, but either way, Cyrus is touched. Outside the game, Megabyte is watching from his perch, ready to pounce if Enzo wins. With his new hex weapon, there's no way to stop him now. And uh, Air Doctor straight up calls Megabyte Mein Fuhrer in this scene. Yeah. Prepare the troops. He really does. <laughs> uh, so Cyrus drives Enzo's car up to the wing of the user jet. This is a very James Bondish scene. You know, we've got Enzo kind of standing on the side of the car. As it moves forward, he almost grabs the wing, but then it bursts forward. <laughs> so Osiris hits the ejector seat button, sending Enzo sailing onto the wing. He reaches for his gun, but pulls out the teddy bob instead. That's no gun. <laughs> and then does some quick improvising and jams the bear in between the wing flaps so that they can't move properly. So Penelope does some loop-de-loops and sends Enzo plummeting to the ground, Buzz Lightyear style. And uh, Cyrus catches him with the helicopter as a Native American looks on. <laughs> I do enjoy that this is almost an exact callback to the scene from Bad Bob, where Fong is the one in the helicopter saving an Enzo who's fallen off a cliff. 
Yeah. <laughs> so Penelope crashes into the wall and it's game over. Help! Help! <laughs> they didn't so much win as much as the user lost, but whatever. <laughs> it's still cause for celebration as Cyrus has had a change of heart just in time for Megabyte to arrive and witness this treacherous act. He's not very happy that Cyrus has switched sides. When Megabyte orders Hack and Slash to grab Cyrus and reveals that he has weapon Hex. You did that? To your own sister? Enzo is disgusted and the Megabyte's like, yeah, I'm pretty kinky. <laughs> Enzo, Frisket, and Andrea go to defend Cyrus from Megabyte, but their confrontation is interrupted as Mouse's ship flies by, depositing the last of the firewall pegs. But Dot appears on Glitch to tell him to activate the firewall, and as he does so, giant bursts of flame appear from each device all around the sector. It's pretty spectacular, I've gotta say. Hack and Slash manage to grab Cyrus just before the wall goes up, and they and Megabyte are now locked inside the Trivial Pursuit piece with Hex as she cackles madly. Oh, the sweet irony of it. <laughs> the main favors celebrate as the theme song starts to play again. And uh, the mom hands her child another guardian toy, but this time it's green. Oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> I thought it was the same one. No, this is now not a Teddy Bob anymore. It's a Teddy Enzo. An Enzo bear. Whatever you call it. <laughs> so, Ben, what'd you think of this episode? I really liked this one. It was very fun. I uh, thought it was exciting and funny from start to finish. Um, that intro was amazing. <laughs> and, and yeah, like you said, that shot with the firewall going up was crazy intense. Yeah, this was a really fun episode. Like, it was just, like, fun to watch. They've been a little bit of a downer. I mean, in a good way, but, like, not very hopeful. So it was nice to see them come out with, like, a secure win here. So I have to say, though, we like this is the third episode in a row now where, where we start with Enzo feeling bad about himself in the beginning, only to feel better <laughs> by the end. Like, how many times does he have to prove his worth to himself and the binomes? Oh, uh, don't worry. He gets much more angsty. <laughs> this is just the beginning of his angst. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm getting tired of it already. <laughs> what I do enjoy about the show, though, is... Well, right now they're kind of like, you know, going with it because he's a little kid. As they go along, you know, they're like, all right, enough. We're, we're just going to ignore your angst and continue to be happy people over here. <laughs> but I, I, it was just like a really tight episode. It felt like a lot of fun. There's a bajillion references in this. I won't even talk about half of them in my bits and bites. <laughs> and you got like a really strong ending that I thought was like, oh, you, this is hopeful. This is this is ready to go. We finally have, have made progress towards containing Megabyte. The city's no longer in immediate danger. I'm actually really surprised at how little we are focusing on Megabyte and Hex. Like, these little updates are getting strung along, like, in, like, one scene at a time, basically, over the course of the episodes. Yeah, we don't really get a lot of their development. And I guess it's just because he's mostly waiting for the other shoe to drop. Though it would be cool to kind of spend more time with that whole dynamic, because they're, they're interesting together. Well, because, yeah, it's like we're spending a lot of time in the games now, which I like, you know, especially when they're fun ones. But yeah, like so like that overarching storyline is, is really only an arc because we're spending so little time per episode on it. Interesting. <laughs> Shall we get into Bits and Bites? Sure, let's go. Pixelacious! All right, uh, so for today's Bits and Bites, we're going to start off with the writer again. So the writer of this episode was Dan DiDio. Um, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but that's what I got for you. DiDio. <laughs> Danadio is uh, is the publisher for DC Comics, like right now, uh, co-publisher along with Jim Lee, I should say. 
So, I mean, he's worked on comics for like a while. He's, uh, according to uh, Gavin, he's the one that brought in all these other comic book talents that they've had on the show this season. And he's a huge name in comics. Like, I mean, this is the guy that publishes Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. So this is no, this is no small fish. (laughs) He's had a touch into each episode this season so far. We also have uh, Jane Mortify, who is the singer of the Firewalls opening uh, song. Uh, she's a local Canadian talent, apparently. Uh, I thought for sure that they got one of the voice actresses, um, either Hex or Dot, to do the song, but it was actually this other person they brought in. Now, was she mimicking any particular like singer from the Bond songs? That I know of? No. Okay. So speaking of, James Bond. I think we get a, one or two references. <laughs> we get the fun little opening with the kind of telescope lens, which normally in a James Bond movie is where James is getting shot. But in this case, it's actually our James Bond character looking out to who he's attempting to shoot with a snowball. That whole scene with the skiing is almost directly the sequence taken from the spy who loved me. We get Hugh Branch, who's a pun on Q Branch, who's the guy that does all the fun toys that James gets to play with. And then of course, we get James himself, Enzo in his nice little suit with a Matrix, Guardian Matrix. Uh, We get all sorts of wacky racers references. So we've got Dirk Dastardly, Muttley, and Penelope Pitstop, complete with her catchphrase, help, help. (laughs) I'm fairly certain we actually see the robot from Nullzilla as one of the toys lying on the ground at one point. Oh, you know what? I think I saw that, but didn't make note of it. But now that you mention it, I can totally picture it. When we get to see the car chase that blocks Enzo and Cyrus from moving forward, uh, that's actually the OJ Simpson chase. It's a oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> white Ford Bronco <laughs> SUV chased by LAPD police cars. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> we obviously get Jurassic Park like almost shot for shot and i don't know if it's a reference but i feel like everyone had those fun like wooden dinosaur guys that you would put together that looks like bones but it was actually pieces of plywood i definitely had that we get to see luxo the pixar lamp yes uh we get to see the indian in the cupboard is that what that was okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm like what is the point of this native american (laughs) it's the indian in the cupboard the actual toy that came to life and i don't know if this counts as a bits and bites but uh nazis (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> between my fear and and megabyte at saying that they're gonna have a new order i'm just like yeah this is this is nazis this is this is we're doing nazis now aren't we <laughs> this has got to be something that abc didn't allow <laughs> and now they're just like nope straight nazis so let's talk about this game i have some thoughts on ski free let's talk about ski free <laughs> Oh, man. Is this another one of those things that only 90s kids will remember? If you remember Reboot from the 90s, you probably remember Ski Free. I mean, everyone played it, right? Because as soon as the snowmen started following Santa down, I was like, oh, that's Ski Free right there. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Ski Free came out with the Microsoft Entertainment Pack in 1991. Uh, You are a player controlling a skier, avoiding obstacles like trees uh, and rocks and an abominable snowman. (laughs) That abominable snowman pissed me off so many times because you couldn't avoid him. The game is so hard for a little, like, tiny, <laughs> tiny game. So if you had a Microsoft computer, you had Ski Free. So I'm sure almost everyone who has watched this episode when it originally aired was just like, yeah, that, that game, I get it. <laughs> um, some other games I pulled up for this include Toy Commander. Uh, so Toy Commander was not a game that anyone played. <laughs> 
Oh, sorry. It, it did. It, I was going to, I was saying that because it was never released, but it was released for Dreamcast. So. Oh, okay. I thought you meant it was just like, was a bomb. No. <laughs> it was released for Dreamcast. It was going to be released for Microsoft Windows, but the place that produced it went under. Uh, so they weren't able to release it. But in the theme of ripping off Toy Story, the game's plot revolves around a child named Andy, what? whose new army themed toys for Christmas and neglects his childhood favorites. Are you kidding me? What, that, what year did that come out? 2001. <laughs> Oh, for real? <laughs> the toys, led by Huggy Bear, which if you've watched Toy Story 3... Well, that came out far after 2001, but yeah. Try to destroy the new toys. So, I mean... So I can see why it didn't get released. I mean, there's some litigation probably there. I would imagine. Speaking of, Toy Story, a side-scrolling platform game released by Disney Interactive Studios in 1995 for Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo Entertainment System, Game Boy, and Microsoft Windows, was also a game that I think would work well for this. I definitely had the Sega Genesis one, and I played that. That was a lot of fun. Did you have to jump on the ball? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. That's like the first level. (laughs) So, Ben, other than Ski Free, which we know we have all played, would you play this game? Obviously. These These are games that I grew up with. I imagine the earlier levels of this game are different areas of the house. So you're probably, like, getting chased by the dog at one point, and, like... Yeah, you get chased by the dog. There's, like, you know, the um, Sid's workbench and all that stuff. It's, it's it's a fun game. Yeah, I would totally play this. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. Especially if you get to play fun characters, like Penelope Pet Stop. Yeah, I also tend to like racing games, too. So, yeah, like, the, the whole Wacky Races aspect of it is um, up my alley as well. This is wrong. This is all wrong. Did you, in the course of watching this episode, find yourself... A frosty moment. <laughs> I did. I have a few runners up first, which include Andrea jumping in front of Enzo when Megabyte appears. It was so great. <laughs> she just has this immediate instinct to be like, you messing with my boyfriend? Uh-uh. I'm gonna take you down. With my little <laughs> my little arrow thing. We're doing this. The exploding toilet cracked me up. I don't know why I found it the funny, but I really did. What, what were they going to use that for? <laughs> My frosty moment has to be the opening. I mean, it was just too good. It was too good not to be the frosty moment. I like rewatched the opening twice because it was so great. I was like humming along to the song. It was very good. I picked out a specific portion at around 11 minutes and 15 seconds in. <laughs> at the lab, there is a spherical binome that's like walking around in a lab coat. I know which one you're talking about. As he's walking, he's kind of like bobbing up and down, but the lab coat is just staying rigid in place, and it looks so strange. <laughs> I, know exactly. I noticed that, too, because the lab coat is like as tall as him, so he's yeah. at the very top of his spear popping out. Yeah, and he's like bopping around, and the lab coat's just staying right there <laughs> in place. And like, I'm like, what is happening here in this animation? <laughs> that was a good one. I enjoyed that. So we have a lot of feedback this week. We do. So we put out a call as usual on our Twitter and our Facebook. If anyone had questions about uh, this episode or feedback or frosty moments, stuff like that. Uh, so Nolan Hayes at It's My DeLorean on Twitter asks if we're Bond fans. And if so, do we have a favorite film, a favorite Bond intro? Uh, Goldeneye was his first. He also really likes On Her Majesty's Secret Service and For Your Eyes Only. Goldfinger is way too overhyped. <laughs> Are you a Bond fan, Ben? Um, I can't say that I'm not, but I can't <laughs> say that I am because it's just something that I've never watched. 
Like, <laughs> it's just one of those things, like, there's so many things that are like, in the pop culture that I'm just like, I just never got around to, and Bond is one of them. Like, I'm sure they're fine, they're good movies, and I probably would enjoy them, but I couldn't pick out a favorite because I've never seen any of them. I kind of agree with you there. I have seen a bunch. I won't say a bunch, because there's something like 20 or 30 movies. Uh, So in the grand scheme of things, I've not seen a bunch. I've seen probably about five total. Um, I couldn't tell you all of the Bonds I saw. I've seen at least one Daniel Craig. I've seen at least one Pierce Brosnan. I've seen at least two of like the older generation so either Timothy Dalton or Sean Connery, one of them. I don't know. And they just, they don't really do it for me. I'm kind of just mad about it. Like, they're enjoyable. You know, you're watching a movie. I'm not going to be like, oh, this is so boring. Turn it off. But I'm also not going to be like, oh, man, let's go watch a Bond movie. That's, you know. But do you have, do you have a spy that you enjoy watching, Ben? Archer. <laughs> That's a good choice. Archer's great. I do enjoy spy stuff. I think it's really fun. We just watched Atomic Blonde. Really like that one. I like Girl Spies. I can't. I don't know if I have like a favorite spy though. I guess probably Archer. He's the one I watch the most. If he counts. <laughs> <laughs> At Wackamagoose says it's a bit hard to see during the ending as it forms, but the firewall goes over the edge of G Prime into the Energy Sea. I've always wondered if Megabyte could just like carefully fly some ABCs down the gap under the edge of mainframe, then out the other side to wreck stuff. <laughs> I don't know if Megabyte's that sneaky. He's a very straightforward person. Uh, we got quite a few people like Jean-Francois Vary and Daniel Boret on our uh, Facebook talking about how much they love the intro, though Daniel can't decide whether or not the intro or the firewall's activation is his frostiest moment. <laughs> Vindolf says that Firewall is his favorite Bond song and video. It's better than some of the real ones. <laughs> uh, and then Kim Montgomery really enjoyed how much they brought up the animation in this episode. Hexadecimal shrieking with laughter at the jailer being jailed and his pissed off expression made her smile. Even Gavin got in on it a little bit. As someone who grew up watching Bond films, this was both inevitable and a dream come true. Plus, we got to write an unofficial Bond theme song. How cool is that? Well, I think that'll do it for feedback this week, but we have a lot of new Patreon supporters to shout out. I know, it's been awesome. You guys are so great. This week is a big one, and I think it's because of the Gavin interview that we have. People want to listen to that. (laughs) So, um, this week we have a new $5 supporter upgrade from Len Leshen. We also got a $5 supporter upgrade from Dragovas Almirer. So now both of these guys get uh, nicknames now they're $5. So, I mean... I don't know if I could top Drago Voss on Mirror, but... Uh, <laughs> we'll have to. <laughs> How about Len Ajab Leshen? So, Drago, you are now Jaws. Drago Jaws Voss on Mirror. Though, so you really do have a Bond villain name already. Yeah. <laughs> now you're just extra Bond villainy. All right. And then we also have new $5 backers, William Burton. We also got uh, $5 backer, Scott Gordon. Hi, Scott. Hey, Scott. How's it going? (laughs) Scott is also in my Gloomhaven campaign. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also have, it looks like another podcast called Interparty Conflict is supporting us as well. Yeah, thanks, Interparty. I'm giving Scott pussy galore. (laughs) Perfect. So Scott pussy galore Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) William Goldfinger Burton. Gabe the Moonraker. 
Uh, so Gabe from Interparty Conflict actually reached out to us. Uh, so um, I'm going to be visiting his podcast in a couple months uh, where we're going to talk about D&D. So if you're a D&D fan, if you enjoyed our D&D episode, you should go check out Interparty Conflict. So if you're interested in being a patron, uh, you can check out our Patreon, Incoming Game. If you pledge a five dollars, you get a fun nickname. You also get a sticker sent out to you in the mail. And we actually had someone uh, who pledged last week who's going to be getting a fun uh, rebootified drawing of themselves. And we are only five patrons away, I think, from our uh, covering our PlayStation reboot game. So if you if you really wanted us to cover the PlayStation reboot game, I will actually play the game i'll maybe i'll put up some footage of me playing the game every time we bring that up too we get warnings that it's basically unplayable (laughs) or that it's super hard yes we do i think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable so do you have anything to recommend to us this week jessica i do uh so i just started listening to this podcast called bubble on maximum fun oh i've heard about bubble yeah it's like a radio drama-esque thing so it's it's all scripted um it's a comedy sci-fi action series it's kind of a little hard to explain these people live in a post-apocalyptic bubble but also it's not post-apocalyptic it's weird but it's also very funny i've heard it described as buffy the vampire slayer meets broad city oh you know what that is very accurate description <laughs> with a little bit of mad max thrown in there minus the cars uh so yeah we get like fun demons and like people killing the demons and finding a new apartment and <laughs> dealing with your ex-boyfriend who wears a man bun and <laughs> it's, it's really funny i really enjoyed it it was a really fun podcast so uh what are we looking at next week next week is season three episode four game over what could it mean? What could it possibly mean? There's probably a game involved at some point. <laughs> I will tell you this much. Finish him. If you were a 90s kid who went to the arcade. <laughs> Please tell me we get Dot as Chun-Li. Oh, you wish. <laughs> also, Dot wishes she had Chun-Li's thighs. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. So if you'd like to uh, join the conversation, you can always find us at Incoming Game Pod on Twitter, Incoming Game Cast on Facebook, and IncomingGameCast.com. You can also find me online at Dudworks, D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S, and that's on your various social medias. And you can find me at Stirvino Lady, also on various social medias. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady. Our theme music is Spasmatic Polka by Kevin McLeod. And how do you want to end this one? I just got this letter here, Ben. It says, your mission, should you choose to... Oh, no, it's smoking. It's smoking. It's also the wrong movie series. What? That's not the same one? No. Stay frosty, folks. Game over. User wins. I have heard, no, I have heard Jeff Goldblum laugh. That was not a Jeff Goldblum laugh. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like you're going to murder someone. (laughs)